Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. I know it's been a little while since we talked. Gentlemen, uh, how how are y'all doing? (laughs) As well as can be expected, I suppose, is is the PC answer to give. Sure. The, the the last dance was great. Yeah, true. Yeah, seriously. Lance um, Armstrong, Doc, last dance, helping us through. Yeah, and, and you know the last very very interesting stuff. And I, I maybe we'll we'll talk offline. I'm definitely interested to hear your thoughts on uh, Lance Armstrong, Doc. Um, but that that's that's for another time. I, you know, kind of sitting here at the end of May, getting uh, ready for official summer to start i mean whatever time is really but um you know we are getting closer to what would be our summer previews and we're gonna keep we're gonna do that like we've got our summer previews working um you know those will be coming fairly soon probably in the next few weeks we'll be starting on that uh but we kind of thought we'd you know check in kind of talk a little bit about what's been going on uh with the cats uh this week definitely some interest you know not not necessarily interesting but um you know coaches and players are getting on these uh zoom press conferences uh getting a chance to talk to some folks uh Fitz, Bajakian, Hankowitz, Peyton Ramsey, uh Riley Lees, Rashawn Slater uh just as we record this on Thursday night I'm not sure if there's one scheduled for tomorrow or not um but we will see um not a whole lot of info coming out of those, but uh, still good to see just a little bit of communication starting to come out of the program. Yeah, like you said, there isn't too much, and what there is kind of in classic Northwestern fashion is being played down a little bit. I'm like, it's so funny they're talking about, hey, Peyton, how have you been adjusting to the new offense? And he's like, football is football. You know, it's like there's only so much you can do. And I'm like, boy, you like got the Fitz crash course like pretty quickly. It didn't take long. <laughs> it didn't it didn't take long. But uh, <clears throat> let's just let's just put it this way. Like Coach Bajakian or Coach Jake, as we now know, he's known. Um, uh, Coach Jake, we all better hope that football is not just football. We're really hoping you're bringing something dynamic to the table here um the other thing that that i'll mention and and you know a couple other people pointed this out but it you know in in peyton ramsey's um video conference he mentioned uh a player-led zoom call every thursday and that peyton that uh player-led zoom call is led by tj green aiden smith and andrew marty so you have Peyton Ramsey talking about a Zoom call led by TJ Green, Aiden Smith, and Andrew Marty. And it was hard for me to not think about that old Simpsons episode where Sideshow Bob's driving down the street, uh, d- driving down the street in Springfield announcing the following people will not be killed by Sideshow Bob. Homer Simpson, Marge Simpson, Lisa Simpson, Maggie Simpson. It's hard not to focus on the names not being mentioned in the discussion. Um, and, uh, you know, multiple people pointed out that, that Hunter's name was noticeably absent from that group. But, um, you know, and that's there's not too much, I suppose, to read into that. But it certainly is interesting that you've got this three quarterback unit, um, Green, Smith and Marty, leading this Zoom call. Um, well, I mean, the, the quote is that it's been led by the quarterbacks collectively, especially Green and Marty. So uh, that, you know. 
maybe Green and Marty are being the most vocal. I don't know. I, I don't necessarily want to go to Sideshow Bob on this, but uh, <laughs> I, I do love that. That's a fantastic analogy. I love it. Um, you know, yeah, I, I think I think we should take off our tinfoil hats uh, here a little bit. I like one of the interesting things that we've heard now about Hunter Johnson is that he's not the loudest voice, right? He's a bit more of a quiet worker. And that could, I think that certainly impacted him in the eyes of the coaches last year um, compared to a TJ Green who seems to be much more of a natural and charismatic leader. So I like that is what it is. I'm going to take it with a grain of salt. We'll see these guys play on the field at the same time. I mean, the signs are all kind of pointing to the likelihood of Peyton Ramsey being the, the most likely starter in 2020 if and when we get there, right? Like, do you, I mean, do you guys feel that that's kind of the, 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 the rub right now? Yeah, I, I think so. I'm, you know, Fitz obviously is, is being coy, um, you know, saying, you know, everyone, he's, you know, everyone wants to come in there and compete. Um, you know, obviously he's not going to tip his hand at the end of May when, you know, we probably won't find, well, that, that's actually an interesting question. Do you think, we will find out the starter before, you know, the first play up in uh, East Lansing on. Oh God, <laughs> I don't. I no, no. I, yeah, it's the the coach, Coach Jake, may be in the building, but uh, yeah, his uh... that there was a there was a there was a Coach Jake quote. They they asked him about injuries, and he said, "Yeah, I'm not I'm not too comfortable talking about about injuries. I'm gonna let I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that to Fitz. I mean, the same same thing is gonna happen when when he gets asked about who the starter is at QB. Uh, like 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 Fitz's Fitz's mo is is going to continue to be Fitz's mo, and I, like un, un, until it changes, right? Like we should not expect otherwise. Yeah, and and I mean. Beyond that, speaking of the same thing with, you know, information lack thereof, I mean, the first video conference call of the past week was with Fitz, and you really didn't get too much out of it other than that he likes Zoom. Um, he was very big on that. Um, in terms of details for the upcoming season, not too much there. Um, and it's funny, like, pa- parsing through all of these things, looking for some interesting information. I think one of the other interesting things was Ramsey was talking about Obviously, you know, in this quarantine situation, just about all these guys are home. And he was talking about, you know, one of the opportunities he's had is to be able to do some work with some Cincinnati area Wildcats. And he mentioned Andrew Marty, but he also mentioned that he's been throwing with Trey Pugh, which considering we were all kind of watching as Trey Pugh slowly got healthier and healthier all year last year. Um, the idea that he's getting work in with a quarterback in the offseason is is good news to hear. But that's, I suppose, sort of indicative of the way we're we're kind of, to your, to your, to your earlier statements, Gus, probably, at least I'm guilty of a little bit of tinfoil hatting and a little bit of parsing over this stuff with a fine-tooth comb looking for everything and anything, probably because we're especially yeah. starved this particular spring. Desperation yeah. abounds, and you know th- there's still so much that's unknown. I mean, th- like, will will we be going in to the stadium? Like, will there be fans in the stadium when, when there's time to play? Will we start playing at, at the first week of September, like we're supposed to? I mean, September fifth at Michigan State. Um, you know, you're hearing 
just out of all parts of the you know all parts of the country you know it really shows how just fractured of an organization the NCAA is especially when you compare it to like the NHL which you know has a return to play plan at least you know whether or not it happens still remains to be seen but um yeah that that kind of i i but that's i mean the NCAA is a microcosm of the United sure. States no it is isn't it, is. it? cuz like the the NHL and the NBA I mean, they're they're talking about sequestering themselves in two or four cities, right? I mean, the NCAA, like, like right. it's not possible sure. for them to do that. I mean, even even if they were to hold a, you know, a, a whatever team tournament in place of the season, um, you know, a, a, a forty-eight team football tournament in place of the season, and you know, each team would would play like maybe like a World Cup style or something. I don't know. I'm, I'm literally making this up on the fly, but. Even that would not be plausible with the the size of the staffs and the and the rosters and the fact that these are eighteen to twenty two year old amateur yeah. athletes. Yeah. In quotes, in quotes. No, you're right. Athletes. I mean, there's that basic logistical hurdle, but it is true. I think to to Sam's point that, you, I mean, and to your point too, a reflection of America. Um, and that's true in a couple of ways. Number one, in the basic logistics that you can't sequester everyone in a city, but also the fact that, you know, this is where the, the geographic political leanings of the various leagues you really see coming to bear. Um, and obviously, you know, you have the SEC being as out in front of the we are going to play football come hell or high water. Um it just it just means yeah, more. It does it it does there indeed. Um, just means more positive tests. But you but you also see, you know, and I think this is where I think you see a league like the Big Ten becomes, um, you know, in some ways sort of a unique league because of the geographic region that the Big Ten spans. And I think the way the quotes that have come out of Ohio State and Michigan are a classic thing. We think of those two uh, places as rivals, but in some ways, depending on where you are in each respective state, those are not two politically similar states. And when you look at Ohio State, you've got the Ohio State president giving quotes where he's trying to game out how many thousands of people they can get in the stands and saying, look, we might be able to have 25,000 to 50,000 people in the stands. And on one hand, you can see that in his mind, he's thinking, well, you know, if restaurants are at quarter to 50% capacity and we're at quarter to 50% capacity, like it's apples and oranges between like an Applebee's and a 100,000 seat stadium. But you can see like that's where the kind of math and calculations are coming from. And then you've got Michigan president being like, if the students are not back on campus, we are not playing sports. And I think just those kind of things, you see just even the way the information is being presented. You look at a conference like the Big Ten and you get the feeling, look, I don't think there's necessarily a clear vision within this conference right now. And then you're thinking, right. Um, to not have huge logistical headaches relative to NCAA football, you have to have all the conferences on the same boat. I mean, I think one of you was talking before the pod that it's like, okay, if Michigan says they're not playing football, how does that affect every single team that has Michigan on their schedule, right? Including all of their non-conference opponents. So yeah, I mean, it's obviously, you know, you hope that the tide on all of this is going to continue to rise as we move through the summer, but you'd have that, you, that additional logistical headache of having, um, to get consensus across all of these different leagues or else things, you know, are going to have to be operated in a different fashion. This is really tangential, but um, anyone out there who's looking for a good read while, while quarantined or semi-quarantined or just like desperate for sports, um, 
War as They Knew It by Michael Rosenberg um, is a book about the 10 years that uh, Woody Hayes and Bo Schembechler were at odds with one another at Michigan and Ohio State. And I read I read it a number of years ago, but what's fascinating about it is how much politics and culture played into that rivalry um, and fueled the the what we see as as a you know a great football rivalry today was was baked into um you know a lot of the of the the difficulties that that traversed the 70s right um with vietnam etc cetera, etc cetera. so uh just fascinating read for anyone who's interested um just you know i i, I knew i was going to talk about this at some point on the pod and i didn't quite know where it would fit in tonight but just just a, a third perspective um, from another massive institution in that same region of the country. So I, I have, I have um, two nieces now that will be attending Notre Dame uh, as undergraduates, which is really exciting. Um, the, the second will be starting her freshman year, hopefully this year. But so Notre Dame is um, pretty adamant in the fact that they are going to open campus and have students um, in the fall, they're going to be starting on August 10th. That's the, the current plan. They've moved the calendar up two weeks. That allows them to basically um, close school from Thanksgiving through the end of what would be their traditional winter break versus having like that, you know, that awkward long Thanksgiving weekend followed by everybody comes back to campus. They're basically they're basically trying to create a bubble. Everyone's going to get tested when they show up on campus and I think the idea is to try and keep the, the community as sequestered as possible to enable a fall quarter to happen uh, or a fall semester to happen. And then, you know, everybody goes home and, and, and maybe there's a second wave with the winter. Like, who knows? But they've at least minimized, like, one of the major in-and-out travel moments that happens um, during the course of that first quarter. So, you know, it's, it's funny hearing Michigan saying, no students, no football. Ohio State, you know, talking about how they might thread the needle in Notre Dame, adamant they will have students. What, what that means for football, who knows, right? Um, I, I think I even heard at one point the idea of, of football might be students only. Um, so it's just it, it's going to be really, really interesting to see how this all plays out. But um, oh, you mean I'm, people attending the games? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, like, aren't I, they students I, already? Or no? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, like <laughs> well, I mean, um, uh, but yeah, no, no. Uh, from a fan perspective, yeah, students okay. always. Okay. But but like, there's all 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 I know, all anybody knows is that it ain't going to be normal. It ain't going to start when we think it's going to start, or or at least if it does, it's going to look very differently from how it's looked in the past. And um, I mean, who knows, right? Like, buckle up. Right. And for the record, too, I mean, it's like I, you know, I'm not here to say that the SEC's right or the Big Ten's right or the Pac-12 is right. I mean, it's like this is all just a reflection of where we are in this country. I mean, it's like it's the only the only people I wouldn't trust are people who say that they've got this all figured out and that they've got that they've got the the magic miracle timetable. I will add, though, that um, I I do kind of feel like if if anyone should be taking the lead on this, it's Northwestern and particularly Ryan Field. Because if you've been attending football games at Ryan Field for the past couple of decades, you know that we were doing social distancing at Ryan Field way before it was cool. (laughs) Hell yeah. I mean, like like we've we've certainly got our 10,000 reps in to be, you know – outlier experts right right i mean i've there there were there have been many games i've gone to at northwestern particularly when it's cold or particularly 
in in the early, in the late summer before the students are back against a Duke or an Illinois State or a, a whomever, where you know I was in no danger of catching anything from anybody at any point during that game. So hell, it extends to the tailgating too. <laughs> right, <Yeah>. right, exactly. <laughs> so. Uh, so you know we joke, but uh, well, 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 that that and Northwestern has prominently been involved in the, in the research around COVID nineteen too. I think um, there's some interesting stu- like studies around masks and effectiveness, and then I, there's at least a couple of of groups on campus right now trying to develop um, kind of advanced mask technology that would uh, that would presumably be impactful as you know in, in in the months to come. So yeah, Northwestern should prominently be featured in whatever, whatever we figure out in this space. Cause I sure as shit don't, don't trust Ohio state to come up with the right solution. Let's just be no. honest. Um, it, it's interesting. We're coming up on, you know, the beginning of June. Um, you know, they're starting to get to, uh, the point where voluntary workouts, uh, you know, they're, they're talking like different, different parts of the country are, are bringing the students back for voluntary workouts. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this develops. And like, you know, I, I think across the country, things are starting to open up a little bit more. I know, um, uh, here in Illinois, you know, starting this, like tomorrow or the next few days, um, you know, we're, we're moving to the kind of the next step, starting to reopen some restaurants, things like that. Uh, so, It'll, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how with as things begin to open up a little bit more, how will uh, players start coming back? How will workouts look? Um, you know, and who's going to who's going to take the lead on this? I mean, you've got, uh, you know, hockey trying to trying to come back. Um, basketball's trying to come back. Baseball. Uh, I don't know what the hell baseball's doing there. I mean, they can't figure out how to come to any sort of labor piece ever um but so it's like who's who's going to be leading the charge on how to start training again how to start organized practices again and who's going to be following whose lead it's going to be very interesting to watch and see how that unfolds the other thing with that too is especially with the ncaa right the longer you go into the summer before it officially starts the more all of those teams are going to start bitching that didn't get in a full set of spring practices northwestern is one of the more uh, fortunate schools in that regard but um Coach Hankwitz, when, you know, during the video conference call, that was one of the things he singled out. He was like, that was a huge advantage for us. He was like, those practices were really valuable and specifically highlighted that some of their opponents didn't get any spring practices in. So I think, you know, you have all of those teams, especially the ones that did not get that spring work in, going, we want to start and we want to start as soon as possible. So I do think, right, that that's probably going to be an impetus. And you would hope, too, that with spring practices, I mean, or the summer practices, right, at least with these teams, there's no one saying that the students have to be there. It's the players that are there. You ought to be able to engineer some sort of spacing, whether you're keeping it informal, you're doing it on the, you know, on the field, you're spacing things out a little more, you would hope. Um, But I, I certainly think that the longer it takes to get into that, the more the teams that didn't get any spring work in are going to make their opinions known. Well, and that's that's probably the number one factor in terms of when the when the season could could conceivably even start, right? Because I think you've heard a lot about like what's what's safe in terms of getting players back into playing shape. Um, 
for for these college athletes who who've, who've presumably not been you know training um, all this time. And I, I think the figure I keep hearing is about six weeks. Like we need six weeks before the season starts to effectively get up to speed. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if the number of acceptable, well, it is the NCAA we're talking about. So I should preface before I say this, that like we're being governed by a, you know, bass backwards organization, but the, you know, you wouldn't be surprised in norm in 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 a in a functioning organization that um, they would ex- they would ex- extend the available practices in the fall to try to even the the playing field a little bit, right? And 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 help with that transition. What's interesting to me, and this goes back to some of what you were saying, Sam, about like who's going to lead in this space. Like, it's stupid that baseball can't figure out their stuff because that's essentially a game that's played socially distanced anyway. Like it's and, and it's pretty much are reasonable. It's like, pretty much watched socially distanced too until you get to the postseason. <laughs> Unless we're talking about like Wrigley Field, Fenway. Yeah, I mean, like it's 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 wild to me that they they have the easiest path to figure something out that would be palatable and that you know presumably local officials would sign off on or governors would be comfortable with, right? Um. And and the fact that they can't get out of their own way with with the arguments over you know full pay versus partial pay et cetera et cetera is 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 wild. I mean, you would think they would be the ones saying like, hey, we're going to try this and see what happens. That they, they all already have their sequestered you know setup in Florida and Arizona, right? With with spring training, so um, so that's weird. In their absence, you know, the NHL is trying to get a foot out there. Um, but presumably before the NBA does their thing, um, just so you can capture some of the media attention. But it'll be it'll be interesting who is able to successfully restart. It'll be interesting if if anyone is able to successfully restart before um, before fall or before twenty twenty one. It's just you know unprecedented um, situations here, and, and like we can guess a lot, and it's kind of in a in a in a weird way, given that, given what we're dealing with, right. It's kind of fun to be guessing, but at the same time, like who the hell knows? Yeah. Rest assured too. Um, I feel like this may sound pessimistic because I'm borrowing NASA metaphors, but you know, when it comes time for the summer, the Westlot pirates are going to be loading that fuel into the rocket. Okay. Uh, we're going to pray that the clouds part at the end of the day and, and we're go for launch, but we're going to be doing our team previews. Um, it's we're going to be you know it's we're only a couple weeks off from reaching you know the point where if we're not officially starting then we're deep in prep uh, to get them going so um, we're we are headed there and we are certainly going to act as if and like I said our countdown clock is fully operational and we're just going to plan and hope that uh, that all the weather cells and cumulus cr- clouds part uh, right when we need them to at the end of the day. Luckily, if they don't, we're at no risk of exploding. <laughs> that's, that's true. So I want to try something. Um, this is something that uh, I'm just going to spring on you. And we haven't really gone through the schedule and just kind of gross overview the schedule as it lies right now. Because obviously everything is everything could be different tomorrow. But uh, as of right now, um, you know, just kind of scan through the schedule a little bit. Uh we open up at Michigan State. We're home against Tulane and Central Michigan. Uh, then at Penn State, at home against Nebraska and Maryland, at Iowa, at Purdue. Uh, Wisconsin at Wrigley Field, theoretically. Um, at home for Morgan State, and then at Minnesota, and at home for Illinois. I, 
I can tell here here's my you want my big pre my big prediction. Here's my big prediction. You know who we play on November fourteenth? Michigan State. That's my Ooh. big that's <laughs> okay. my big that's my big prediction for you, right? Because I think what, that, that's one not of the ter- most that- likely scenarios is some of the non con gets cleaned out. And I think that that leads to Michigan State getting pushed down the line to November 14th. Any of those early conference games, um, I think, are that much more likely to, to get moved. Uh, John, I, I think you're right, and I totally agree. However, Michigan State is playing Penn State on November 14th, so oh yeah, true. An, an alternate date will have to be found. But yes, I think that's I think I agree. With you. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I think I think the most likely thing is we're going to have a nine game conference schedule, and that's going to be about it. Um, Just scrap the non con completely. Yeah, I mean, I think that's I, I not I'm not. I'm not. I don't know that I would advocate for that. I just. I just think they're going to need more time, and that's the most obvious thing to do, right? Um, and even if that's even if that's pushing back, you know, I assume most Big Ten schools have a game week one or week two, and you know, maybe, maybe even just pushing back two weeks so that conference season starts September nineteenth, um, or maybe you could fit Michigan State into a bye week somewhere, right? Like, like maybe you could push Wisconsin to the fourteenth. And and Michigan State State could slide to the to the to the seventh of November when they're when they're on by. So I I don't know like but but that does seem like the most like the easiest thing from like a financial and and other logistics perspective to just can the non con. Right, I think if if anything, the potential big casualties you're going to see are those you know marquee non con matchups at the start of the year, right? Whatever, whatever I haven't looked, but whatever your Jerry World game is, you know those are the. Those are the big con, but I mean, it's like, just take Northwestern as an example. It's right. I mean, obviously we want to play all of our games, but four or five years from now, ain't no one going to remember that we didn't play Tulane, Central Michigan and Morgan State. So um, if that's the sacrifice that, you know, college football has to make for one season, like we will all make that adjustment. Putting on a, 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 a hat that says we're in normal times. Um, yeah. You know, maybe, maybe we bat this around, but like just you know, gut, gut check on how we think this could play out for Northwestern from a, from a wins and losses perspective. Let's say, let's say we do play everything, including the non-con. Um, I mean, how do you, how do you feel? How do you feel, John, about at Penn state and at Michigan state as, as two of our first four games? And well, we've talked about this before. I mean, having said that, I think there's a really good chance Michigan state could get moved to later. We obviously want Michigan state early. We've talked about that before because of the general flux in the program. And that was before, <laughs> everything else um can we play them in august yeah exactly it's like we can there's no no time too early to play michigan state the ad penn state is obviously doing us no favors but i mean boy having that michigan state team but Tulane, central michigan nebraska and maryland being on our for our five six game uh five of our first six games it's your it's just a way more palatable schedule than it was last year and obviously, I mean, you can easily talk yourself in with with production out of a quarterback. And like you said, that quarterback's very likely Ramsey. This is just a much friendlier schedule. Um, it's very easy to talk myself into seven or eight wins. And honestly, like you've that might I mean, I think for some people be like, oh, that's optimistic given what happened last year. And it's like, is it, though? 
We know this. This <laughs> we know this team is stacked with young talent. We know that this team was saddled to an epically bad offense. And if you're the person who is going to absolutely toe the line and you will not be moved, that it was the quality of the talent in the quarterback room. Well, if that's where you're going to draw the line, we can kind of give you a workaround on that one too. Uh, because then you ought to be someone who believes without a doubt that Peyton Ramsey's going to be starting. So he's a, he's a proven commodity, right? And, right. and proven against this level of competition. This ain't a guy transferring from FCS. This ain't a guy transferring from the Sun Belt. Like he has played these teams and kicked the crap out of them. Right. Um, a number of and them. He's and seen, I, Penn, I, I, he's seen Penn state and Michigan state every year. Right. That's a great yeah. point. That's a great yeah. point. So, right, he's very experienced with this group. And I don't know. I mean, I again, so many of these teams, Minnesota being one, Illinois obviously being one, um, uh, a little bit of the conference was thrown out of whack by the fact that um, Michigan was a mess for the start of the season and we were a mess for the whole season. I mean, that really is true. That A lot of things were thrown into flux because of that. And um, I think... Northwestern's defense didn't go anywhere. And we've been talking about it that this team has a bunch of, it's one of the, in terms of raw recruiting talent, it's one of the deepest teams Northwestern has ever had. When you look at the at least two classes of guys who haven't even seen the field, um, represent two of the best recruiting classes Northwestern has had. So um, it's a deep team. It's a talented team that was undone by a really bad offense starting from quarterback instruction and quarterback play last year. And there's real potential that both of those things have been turned around. So, yeah, I it's not hard for me. I mean, we'll get into it down the road. It's not hard for me to find seven wins here, though. Um, it's yeah, it's yeah. not at all. Even eight feels exceedingly doable. Now, mm-hmm. that's that's you know, assuming that we can beat Minnesota and, and I mean, Illinois, we, we beat them last year. We, yeah. we were at our, at our lowest point in the last decade, probably. Um, but you know, the, the interesting stretch on this schedule is October 24th at Iowa, October 31st at Purdue, and then November 7th hosting Wisconsin. Um, presumably at Wrigley field, maybe. We'll yeah, see. we'll, we'll but, see. We'll see. But, but those, those, th- those three games, um, that's a real tough stretch. Iowa loses Nate Stanley, but is always talented and always solid. Um, Purdue had a real rough go last year from an injury perspective, had a lot of changeover and turnover on defense. Um, we, if, if y'all haven't been paying attention, their offense only continues to be more and more stacked. Now they're, they're having some changeover at the QB position this year. So we'll see how that, how that factors, but, um, the offense, he, whoever that is, the offense he's going to get to work with is just stupid. Um, and, and by, and by October 31st, they're going to be humming. I mean, that's just there's, like everywhere he's gone. Everyone he's ever coached just Jeff Brom, like the, they are an offensive juggernaut. And um, do we know, do we know who their quarterback's going to be? I don't think so, but I believe they got, um, some grad transfers, didn't they? He's, I, all I know is, I mean, aside from they Ohio got, State. got uh, Veronica Burton's brother. Oh, that's right. The, uh, so aside, but aside from Ohio State, in this, and, and maybe not even including, this is the best wide receiver core in the Big Ten. It's yeah. absolutely yeah. ludicrous. And, they're, in the con- they're in the conversation nationally, frankly, right, right. Uh, as a top ten w- w- wide receiver group. Um, 
And then Wisconsin to me remains the class of the West. I, I, I apologize. I, I believe nothing about the, the horse shit coming out about continuing to come out about Nebraska. Um, Wisconsin returns the QB, they, their defense O-line, whatever. It's just wash, rinse, repeat with those guys. And, um, like they're, they're, they're going to be, I don't think that they're a top 10 team nationally next year. I I don't think that they're going to be vying for a national title or anything like that. But, um, this isn't like the height that Wisconsin has been at maybe, you know, three or four years ago, but there's still the class of the West and, and, and will remain that way until proven otherwise. It'll be interesting to see if Minnesota comes back to earth or, uh, if, if that was just, if that was a flash in the pan or if, if that's something real. Well, they did lose, you know, number one draft pick, uh, Tyler Johnson. Yeah, that's, um, that's that's right. He was number one in terms of, I guess, he was the first Minnesota wide receiver drafted in the NFL draft. You <laughs> <laughs> go round three, something uh, like that. It, it, no, it was like it, six it, or seven. I, yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, yeah. It was four at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Rashad, Rashad Bateman is really good and was a guy that had had proven nothing coming into last year and really proved it. Now, he proved it in part because defenses were absolutely concentrating on on Tyler Johnson and limiting his catches and doubling him, et cetera, et cetera. And and Bateman was electric um after the catch in particular uh, and had 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 some real had some real head head turning um acrobatic catches themselves as well. So like but I mean we'll see. I I, I I, I continue to struggle with that team and who they've played. And when you, when you dig into the stats, et cetera, like, um, I mean, they're, they're fine. They're fine. They're better than us. They beat us straight up. Right. Like I, like, but, um, well, I honestly too, I think you're, you're right. I think <clears throat> we're all dancing around the elephant in the room though, which of course is champagne Santa and his mastery of the transfer portal. Uh, I think, although I guess he's, he's not champagne Santa anymore because Lovey has shaved. Not off anymore. Beard, but, nope. Yeah. But I, L- I, lest, lest you think that, that Lovey Smith shaving will, will drain him of all his powers. If you think about it, like he was rocking that Santa beard in normal times. Well, now in pandemic times, everybody's got a giant beard and Lovey was like, why the hell am I playing like the 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 be like everybody else card? I'm I'm a I'm a trailblazer. That, I'm my own man. That's right. Uh, so what I'm alluding to is um, this is part of the uh, uh, you know not probably news to you the mavening of Sports Illustrated, uh, which has led to Ugh. them them to generally become dog crap um, and jettison talented people like Kalen Kaler. Um, also leads them to um, this weird system where they sort of kind of give every team who wants one, you know, the, its own kind of portal. But then they'll pick and choose things from individual team sites and choose to run them as if it's like a major Sports Illustrated story, which led to the main page of Sports Illustrated recently having this article up from a, a subsite called Illini Now. But the basic thesis of the general article is that A, Illinois had a successful season last year, and B, the reason for that success was Lovey Smith's mastery of the transfer portal. I 
I encourage you to go try to dig it up just for the hilarity. It's like it's like an Onion article. It's amazing. Some great nuggets. Uh, I'm just going to read you a couple things. Uh, Smith quickly began to learn in-state talent wasn't yearning to get that scholarship offer from the Illini, and previous staffs didn't make necessary inroads for immediate recruiting success. And then it cuts to a quote. Uh, quote, in my 13 years of coaching, I haven't had a relationship with U of I at all. Plainfield North High School coach Anthony Imbordino told the Daily Illini, the university student newspaper, U of I hasn't really come up as much as you would think to the schools that I have been to in the Chicagoland area. Amazing. That's just classic stuff. But then it basically goes on that Lovey basically brought in the, I think, second most amount of transfers in the country behind notably Rutgers. So if you're sensing some sort of pattern there. Um, And then basically they're like, it says something like the result was an upset of Wisconsin and like a bowl trip. And it's like, okay, this was, this team was number two in the nation in recovered fumbles. So if we're looking for, you know, some, some real things, like this is a team that got curb stomped by its rival to end the season. Scuzz already mentioned that. Managed to win six games thanks to some just chicanery and, an, and a ridiculous upset of Wisconsin. Um, the, this idea that, you know, Lovey's making it happen because, to your point, everyone's got a beard, Lovey's shaving the beard. Everyone's trying to recruit, Lovey's using the portal. He's just way ahead, light years ahead of everybody else. So I, it's, it's national championship or bust for Illinois this season, I think. Well, guys, um, should we go ahead and put this one to bed? Uh, you know, obviously we'll, we'll be back, um, if not next week, then the week after. Our uh, previews are forthcoming, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, you know, obviously when we find out any more about what might be happening this fall, we'll be sure to be talking about it. But uh, anything else to mention before we get out of here tonight? Just, you know, stay safe, everybody. And obviously, you know, hopefully now at least we're all finally getting some improved weather, more opportunities to get outside, more opportunities to just get the air in and, you know, get out, get out in space and make it that much more easy to, to, Tell your brain, at least for a little while, that you're in, in a normal place. But hopefully, like I said, like we said, the we're all headed slowly back towards something resembling normalcy, and hopefully sports will be a part of that. Uh, so with that, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Pirates, And you can always email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics and look for us in the west lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skazboy and Sam Walter, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.